about that time, about that time, about that time, yeah, about that time. Welcome to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. And pick it up right where Kessler left off, it's Broome with the block. Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball. We missed you, the jungle is already in mid-season form. No feelings, no gimmicks. Just ball. Benny Johnson in transition. Now, here's your host, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. All right, guys, we just finished the final game of the 2022-2023 Auburn basketball season. We won one game in the tournament and then went down to the number one seed, Houston. 81-64, a 17-point defeat. Uh, it was a frustrating game and a frustrating season. And uh, it was a tale of two halves, just like maybe it was a tale of two halves in the season, too, where we played well against maybe mediocre opponents or fine opponents and then really hit a wall. And uh, this one, too, the first half was so great. We were up 10 at halftime, playing really well, looking really coherent as a team, Really locked in on defense, held them to 20, nope, held them to 31 points in the first half, which is pretty good about average for us, but we scored 41, which was great. But then, man, the second half, immediately out the gates, we lost that 10-point lead before you could even blink. You might have still been finishing some food or whatever errand you were running at halftime, and we were already back to, to even, and we lost the second half. Houston scored 50, Auburn scored 23. Not good. Matt, what'd you think? Yeah, it's always it's always tricky because somehow you can watch all these basketball games. It happens to me every year we're in, and it's like, oh yeah, now the season's over. Like it, and that's why you see these shots in all these tournament games of like these seniors and these these guys who like they it sets in that they're not gonna play anymore. Um, frustrating loss. Um, you know, I think the story of the year has been this team has showed that they could compete with anybody. I think they showed that again tonight. I think they had a really nice um plan and they continued to put themselves in good positions but man i i'll be really curious to talk to you about this game because houston you know we're we're a pretty sec centric podcast man that team for years now under kelvin sampson they are so physical they are so relentless to the ball like and man it just feels like they can will games and ultimately the free throw line there's lots of things we could talk about but i just thought it was going to be a super physical battle. And how were we going to be? Could we withstand that for 40 minutes? That was my biggest question. And ultimately, we kind of, um, the, the shots went away uh, in the second half. And Houston is the number one defense in America in field goal percentage. And we kind of came down to earth and down to what Houston usually does. Um, so frustrating. And you had a chance, when you have a 10-point lead, you you hope you at least get to the end you know, with a chance to win. I think that was my goal at halftime, but wasn't meant to be, man. Houston was the better team tonight. Yeah, I mean, it was not even, man, you're right. Being down to up 10 at half, you kind of just feel like you should be in the game the rest of the game at that point, even if you end up losing it, like you should be kind of in it. Man, we weren't even in it. Well, I, I don't know if we were even in it. We, we were seven minutes left, you know? Yeah, it was like a we were tied or down two with like nine minutes to go. So we did kind of settle in there a little bit, but just couldn't score. I think we had four field goals the whole second half. And then yeah. it, 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 was, it became it, a foul fest, which Houston games always turn into a foul fest, kind of like A&M and some other teams. And we just didn't make them pay when, you know, and they they made a lot more free throws than we did. That's for sure. It was you're right. It's right out. You know, I got through the second half. How we lost that lead immediately and ended up losing by 17. But there was a time, like you know, when we do these podcasts, you start thinking narratives and how you're going to talk about it and all that stuff. And when we kind of just lost that immediately, and then things did settle back down a little bit. It felt like okay, maybe we're back. Maybe that we weathered a storm, and we'll see. Now we're even. It sucks that we're even now. Now we're after like play the rest of the game. They just kept going. <laughs> we evened out for just a couple minutes there, and then bam, they just kept going. And we kept failing. Big part of it, uh, you know, I don't want to harp too hard on it, but I guess you have to. The free throws were really brutal. I was kind of ready to come on the podcast and roast the entire team for their free throws and then looked at the stats, and man, I hate it because Joe Nye did play really well in the first half, but 
Six of 16 from the free throw line was really brutal. 10 points left on the board. And it wasn't just that. I mean, we lost by 17. So you can't say it's just those 10 points or whatever, but it was momentum breaking too, that we just could not seem to get those points. And then on top of that, when we just could not seem to score, and then we could not seem to even get the free throws that we were given for free. It really was just disaster falling apart there. And then on top of that, man, I was, I was, Really bragging us the same bar was that last time talking to random people. I told them each time it ends up coming out that there's this podcast, and I wonder if they ever checked it out or whatever. But shout out to you guys watching the game with me and letting me talk your ear off again. But uh, man, I was bragging on our defense, really locking in that last like four to five minutes of the first half. I mean, Zep was up on guys, KD, Wendell, everybody was up on their guys, really uh, forcing them to play faster than they wanted to, forcing them to kind of take the ball back to the half court half the time and never start their offense. It felt so good. That's how we built that 10 point lead was just tenacious defense. It felt like kind of the defense we expected from this team. And you knew you couldn't bring that energy the whole time. But then when the second half came out, we didn't bring that energy at all. And then we never got back to it. It was just sad to see. And you talked about how this game, you just, the season's done. And you're just like, man, wow, 34 games. And that's it. It's done. But then you think about somebody like Zep Jasper, Five years of playing college basketball, and it's just over. It's done. We'll never be able to talk about Zeb Jasper again as an Auburn player, or the Honey Badger, or what could be or what isn't or what is. It's just done. It's a finality thing, and uh, we'll get into some season-ending stuff in, the, in our last podcast. But, man, we watched this this team for 34 games, and some of these players for two years now and longer for others. It's just like there's no more talking or arguing or – conversating about what this team is or where they're going or who they are. It's done. It's done. And it's, you know, it's just, well, it's kind of, it hurts a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, one of my best friends, uh, Auburn basketball people who, you know, has been watching this program forever. Um, you know, his big takeaway was like, wow, I can't believe how, you know, disappointing this season feels given my whole lifetime of watching Auburn basketball. Like we, you know, went 10 and eight in the league and we made the tournament and we won a game in the tournament and we advanced and, you know, uh, it, the expectations have certainly risen. Bruce has, has done that with all the things he's accomplished that we've been championing on this podcast. It's not getting any easier. You know, we've looked around the sec and you've got, you know, you've got Tennessee advancing, you've got Arkansas advancing again to the second weekend, potentially Alabama. Um, it's, you know, our work is still cut out for us to keep rebuilding this roster and this program. And there's going to be a lot to talk about, but that'll be kind of for another episode. I think tonight you saw like Auburn continue to hit shots in the first half. You know, we hit some shots and I didn't think we defended great. Um, although our, I would love to see the numbers on our first shot, uh, first shot defense. Like our do first, you have, shot- do you have stats? I really want some first half versus second half stats so badly because it's such a difference in the game. I wanted to see what the biggest, like, were they shooting that bad? Like the other was Houston shooting it bad, and then they shot that well. I have no idea what the numbers are, so I well, can't even I really. Can, I can give you an idea. Um, Houston was thirty six percent at half and finished at forty two, so that's not what killed. I mean, they did hit some more shots, but uh, was it us then? Was what was our field goal percentage? So we went from fifty something, fifty two, fifty three, fifty four to four for uh no telling four for 26 or something like that so nothing was going down nothing went down um they weren't good shots either though i didn't really feel like i i saw many like oh we just missed like the there's a lid on the rim or whatever no it felt like i don't remember us taking very many good shots that like it was a lot of drives kind of far away from the basket and get some contested threes It, it, it was weird it wasn't another night either where it was like oh we keep shooting contested threes or we can't get into our offense it just, I guess Houston's just good. Best, best and they have defense. very athletic players, and, and ours didn't match it. Best field goal defense in the country. So what we did in the first half to them, I think that was only the third time anybody had scored 40 uh, in the first half on them all year. So, I mean, pretty rare stuff. We hit a lot of shots. We had some momentum, like you said. Um, we were getting it inside. Our first 12 points were in the paint. I think we did a really – honestly, I thought a lot of our guys were kind of playing over their heads. Trey came in hitting threes again. Um, I was getting those I was getting those McCormick vibes he came back and hit two more threes really quick when he first came in I was like holy crap this could be the difference maker that we're talking about and it just didn't happen down the stretch Janai was great Jalen was driving to the rim and throwing stuff in I mean there was a lot of good stuff happening 
And, uh, but like you said, right away, you know, I think both have started with like Houston getting four opportunities on offensive. Oh, yeah. You know, it, I think this is a great example of a game where you can't just look at the stat sheet, right? Cause offense, we, we had 13 offensive rebounds. They had 17, you know, they got us 19 to 10 in second chance points. They're, they're one of the best programs in the country at doing that. So I, I, the numbers aren't even that bad, but watching it, right. Watching the game, how many times did it just feel that they were, they are just so physical and aggressive to the ball that it's just really hard to match that consistently. And we did at times, but Ultimately, there were just a lot of um, – you, you just have to play a really clean game to beat a one seed. Um, and Houston can say they had to play in Birmingham and they their guy was kind of hurt, although he looked pretty good to me, you know, running around hitting shots. But uh, we gave him a good run. Disappointing for it to end that way. But honestly, doesn't it feel kind of fitting that the second half ends up being like, yeah, we – didn't get great shots. We didn't make a lot of them. The free throw thing was weird. And again, I, you're really good to point out that you hate it for Broom because, man, how good has he been? We'll talk a lot about him in our, you know, postseason episode. Like, just a tough, honestly, I think it, you know, it, it gets in your head a little bit. You start missing a few free throws as a big guy who shoots 58%. And, um, you know, it just went really badly for him. And I'm sure it's going to be something that motivates him moving forward. Yeah, I guess uh, there's two directions I want to go. I guess I'll say, the uh you know talking about how it just didn't feel like we got those good shots down so they just played good defense on they were just more athletic they were there faster than us the stat that kind of shows that out is the blocks houston 12 blocks 12 we're the block team what happened you know how hard i've been pushing the blocks all year and honestly it did my enthusiasm did matt did not match what our season really happened with the blocks it was still a good season for blocks but i think just the personnel we had i thought it was gonna be better but they got 12 to our three. I think that kind of shows out. Yeah. They look like bad shots when you're getting blocked. <laughs> and, and honestly, it was like, I don't know, just like another proof of like, they just had better players and athletic guys that just really got in front of our guys. And, you know, they're not going to go in. They're not going to go in if you get blocked. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, a bunch of old guards on Houston who have been through this thing a few times more than we had. And then Jarris uh, Walker inside, man, that's a, that's a freak um, NBA pro- player, in my opinion. Um, just a lot of talent. Houston's really built that thing up. You can say they're, they, you know, they play in a weaker conference or whatever, yeah. but they're a one seed for a reason. And I think for it's a little eye opening for people who maybe don't watch them consistently. I mean, they, that was a rugby scrum for a lot of this game really physical and then the ref started calling everything tight like they, and they were letting them and they were letting them play down low in those fat i remember thinking early on the rebounds when they were getting some rebounds and there was like bodies flying around. i was like yep. man down low down the re when when the rebounds go up they're letting them play and you're right turned around again in the second half they started calling a lot of more ticky tack stuff but i didn't think the fouls overall was much of a storyline other than us just not hitting our free throws uh, yeah. the, the the other big part of this game that I think why it hurts so badly, because sure, this team I wouldn't have ever thought was going to be a number one seed, but the there was kind of some storylines going around going into this game, just in general with us. A, a lot of people watched that Houston-Northern Kentucky game mm-hmm. uh, two days ago, and man, Northern Kentucky stuck around the whole time, and they weren't playing that well. Houston was just playing badly, and Northern Kentucky, man, they just, they shot like, 400 it felt like bad long threes and they just none of them went in that's how they lost the game and Houston you know we saw another 16 seed pull it off the next night so we kind of forgot about this one but then the other big thing uh Houston has an amazing player named Sasser that's really good one of the best players in the country and he got injured before their first game I think in their tournament and uh so people were like oh no you know and then the Northern Kentucky game happened like oh he re-injured again he's re-injured and you know, look, that's why they played so badly. And we thought, so like, well, you know, we played pretty well against Iowa and Sasser's probably not even going to play. Or if he's going to play, it's going to be really hampered. And they looked really bad against Northern Kentucky. Maybe this is our chance to finally get lucky. Maybe mm-hmm. we had a really unlucky season and we're going to luck into having a number one seed in Birmingham that's injured and struggling with a 16 seed. All we got to do is hit one of 300 threes, unlike Northern Kentucky did. But then... Sasser comes out beginning of the game and scores nine points in the first like two or three minutes yeah. and looks healthy as all get out finishes the game with 22 points looked great looked like the kind of guy we don't have and, and kind of complained about all year maybe another factor too like you said they're in a, a smaller conference so we just kind of 
ah, oh, smaller conference team. We don't watch as many of their games. And, uh, you know, maybe they don't have as good athletes. Maybe they just played well in their tournament. And Houston, in my lifetime, has not been that great. I know they have great history other than that. But, like, all these factors have kind of combined to give me hope personally. And I think yeah. the fan base itself just – and then and then 10-point lead at halftime, yeah. building yeah. up our hope even more. I'm at the bar, like, going nuts. Like, man, I can't – we might be – we might pull this off. Like, it might be, like – this season changes on this game and like yeah. the narrative of this team only for the, just the most depressing, <laughs> frustrating, sad finality to the end of the second half here. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, it's really, it's really tough. Like it's the hope that kills was the thing you said. And we've seen it with this team. I think the interesting dialogue will continue to be around this team. Like, were they bad? Are they a bad team that we overachieved or are they, a good team that underachieved that we didn't like get enough out of certain players. Like I still think we're in that really interesting middle ground coming off of last year where we clearly had like this elite talent for the first time in multiple positions. Um, I kind of think this is just a good above average basketball team that we got a decent amount out of. And if we had swung a couple close games, it would have felt a lot different. You, you talked nothing, nothing defines your narrative thing. Like, I think you can be too narrative driven, but man, the NCAA tournament is like the ultimate narrative shifter on one game, right? Like you talked about Arkansas. Arkansas now has gone to three straight second weekends in the NCAA tournament and they beat a one. That's season. the other one. Like you said, like you said earlier when Tennessee and Arkansas move on, Bama's having the best season ever. We hate to compare ourselves to like other rivals and feel like just because we did something like we should like you try to stay contained in yourself and think of our own history and things, but it's impossible. It's impossible to block that out, to watch Arkansas beat number one Kansas. And I said it last podcast, if he pulls it off, we I would have to admit that Musselman has figured something out over there. And he's going to be, oh, man. You know what he's they're, figured they're out? Be, you know how he's figured out getting four or five NBA players on one team is really helpful. It's really helpful. You got. I think there's a concoct. We'll talk about in the offseason again, the final podcast, like what you have to do, you know, to to like what kind of players you need to pull something off. And we just didn't have it this year. You kind of have to a little bit of this, a little bit of that, his little bit of, you know, some guys that could just score when they were, they needed to, but also a guy that's going to score no matter what in Nick Smith, you know, and they got him back just in time. And though I'm sure their fans would argue that this year would have been a fantastic year if he had played the whole time and they would have been fine early on. I still think there's something going on with muscle men where he tinkers or something early in these sec plays and then figures it out by March. Maybe it's luck, whatever, but three years in a row, they have figured something out. And I just, I hate it. And the Tennessee who really just has not looked that good down the stretch. Lil Ziegler, uh, man, didn't even look that good in their first game either. And then just beat Duke who I had going national championship. And it was a really trendy pick to, to go all the way. So, it just hurts. Maybe we're, we're in the middle of the Bama game. So we'll see what happens Not only, there. not only did they beat Duke, but now they get to play like, um, who are they playing? They will play the winner of Florida Atlantic and uh, Fairly Dickinson to go to their. Is it Fairly? It's Fairly. Yeah, man, uh, we got to put respect on their name, Fairly Dickinson. I was like looking up their Wikipedia halfway through their game, being like, "Everyone get in." I was t- texting friends like, "Learn something about Fairly Dickinson. It's about to be a household name." Well, I had a feeling about that one, but you know that sucks because Tennessee. Um, has only made the elite eight once in their history. And it was with Bruce. And now, unless they lose to Florida Atlantic or fairly Dickinson, they're going to be in the elite eight and they're going to be playing for their first final four. And it's really annoying. Like you, you said, I hope they choke again. You got to hope it's another Rick Barnes choke, but even just making the sweet 16 for them is a big deal over Duke. Who was yep. really, like I said, it was a really big Trinity pick. It was a different team. It might be different, but beating that hot Duke team really kind of confirms that like Rick Barnes might've gotten over the hump there a little bit beating that number one Kansas team for Arkansas confirms, even if they don't make the lead eight this year, they're going to be bragging on this year anyways. And they're going to have a, a great NBA guy to, to cheer for too. So Doesn't I know that... that's a lot about our rivals, but this game, I mean, I don't have, I guess we could go deeper on some of these players. It's, I don't know if it's, I don't know. It's, it hurts. It really well, does hurt. Some, some good things. Um, it's, it's hard to even do good things. Cause like, there's nothing to build on. It's over, I know, you know, I know. But just the good several thing. of these players, and some of these players, I don't like. Almost everyone, everyone but Zep, could theoretically come back theoretically. from an NCAA eligibility standpoint. 
And and I, I was surprised not. last year. And I was surprised last year from some of the players that came back. So I can't do what I did last year and say, for sure, Chris Moore will be gone. For sure, other players are going to be gone. So I can't say that. But I just it's hard to even want to like look down the list and be like, well, this is what happened. I will do it in a in an end of season thing. But it's just like we don't even know what we're going to happen to these players. So, yeah. I was just going to say, look, we took care of the ball. We only turned it over eight times. I thought we shot really well in the first half. We made some plays. We, uh, I thought we had a really good plan against their defense and how they attack. Like we got in the ball in the middle frequently. Um, you saw, you know, Katie hit a three. Wendell hit a long three. Jalen hit one. You know, we've talked about multiple guys hitting threes. All that happened that was good on offense happened in the first half. <laughs> and then defensively, um, I, I really feel like our first shot defense was really good. And it was just second chances, tipped balls, rebounds. And that's what Houston does. I mean, I think I'm sure Auburn fans were just yelling at it the whole time watching the game, but that is literally who Houston is. And they do it against everybody. I don't know what their offensive rebounding percentage numbers are, but I'm sure they're towards the top in, in America in that. Um, and ultimately you just kind of saw I just think there's a certain toughness and maturity to that team, uh, grown adults on that Houston team that just even on a night where, you know, a lot didn't go right in the first half, you know, you've got a lot of Auburn fans in attendance. They just kind of buckled down and really, you know, they played to the level, they, they played to a really high level on defense and we, we couldn't quite match it. I think you're right to point out it's not just the free throw numbers overall or like who missed them. It's the time. It's the, it's, it's all these empty possessions when you get to the line and you don't make, you go zero for two or you go one for two and then they come down and hit a three and you've, you've lost two in that sequence. You know what I mean? So just a brutal, brutal way to go out. Uh, Jay Lowry, who's been listening for a long time and leaves comments on our Instagram, which shout out anybody that leaves anything on Instagram or Twitter or anything, I'll probably read it. So just, Send it on over. You had thoughts, I guess, next year. <laughs> Jay said, oh, well, miss 17 feet and lose by 17. Coincidence? I said, all right, yeah. Oh, that's 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 true. I mean, and, obviously, we're not going to make 100%, but but the game really did get out of hand there late. I mean, I, it, it felt like the kind of game where if we had hit a few more and maybe hit a few more shots in the second half that we would have been in it, you know, down the stretch yeah. at the end. Um, uh, Miles My, Nordgren says key stat missed free throws truth it's just i really i really thought when i looked at this stat sheet that it was going to be a, a team effort in, in missing <laughs> free throws and it was really comes down to 10 missed free throws from jonai broom he collected a lot of them but part of that is when you're giving the possessions to him yep. you're saying let's we need this possession go jonai you do that over and over again it's a lot of possessions that no one else touched the ball or we didn't get a chance to do anything else on offense and i don't know how many tens of five missed possessions there and then key times, you know, where you just got zero points out of it. A lot. And, and Trey missed or, or, or times when the other team's hitting a three. And even if he didn't miss both, you went down there, got a free throw, hit one, they go back, scoot, score two, you know, and it's a four point swing. And you just do that over and over again. And you're, you're screwed. Right. Right. But that's who this team was. You know, I think, you know, ultimately as the year went on, we got better at attacking inside with our big guys and our shooting percentages went up. I think those two might've been correlated. We were doing a better job forcing the ball inside using, you know, Jalen and, and Janai specifically. And then that opened some things up because we were shooting so badly that people <laughs> didn't maybe focus on our outside guys as much, but ultimately just kind of a missed opportunity. Um, I, I think we said going into this game, like nobody really expects Auburn to win this game. It's, you're playing with house money, but man, you're right. Like Here's, the 10 point lead makes it a little tougher to swallow. It's hard not to get into like year end stuff, but this was another confirmation that we did not win. We did not, we did not cut do, I don't know what the right word is here. We didn't upset anyone all year. And that, that that really makes a difference in the season, I feel like. I feel like this was another one of those opportunities to upset another team, to feel like this team, like in my head going into the year, I didn't think this team was some great team that was going to you know win the SEC or anything like that. But I expected to lose a couple games. But like the Georgia game we lost, the Memphis game we lost, the Bandy game we lost, those probably our worst losses. I expected to kind of make up for those with upset wins. And that was going to be a, you know, it'll be a 50, 50 kind of, we kind of ended up the season feeling 50, 50 that, uh, you know, we, 
but it all ended up being games you're supposed to win. We won games. We're supposed to lose. We lost. And that takes a lot of fun out of it. And I think that's what people are feeling. And it's really hard. Like you look at the stat sheets, you look at the wins and losses and you're like, how can we be upset with our history? We won a game in the NCAA tournament when we weren't that great this year. And we put, notched another one on there to say we made the tournament again, but it just wasn't a fun year. It didn't feel fun out there. Right. And a lot of times like the guys just, the, the, the wins we got, we didn't celebrate super hard because we were supposed to have won them. The losses we lost were kind of just, man, we could have done something and we just didn't do it. And it just ends up with this over and over again, grind of a season that just didn't quite, you know, give us anything to cheer for. It felt like. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for the guys just because I, I do think this is the hardest kind of season. Like you said, just for players and coaches, like you just kept getting your face beat in every, like in these close brutal losses, that felt so uh, avoidable at times. Like we could have maybe done something, you know, it felt like that we were so close and, you know, you, you go toe to toe with Alabama twice and out and lead them most of the game twice home and away. And, and I mean, I guess we beat Tennessee at home, which was a really good moment. We beating Iowa was fun. We had fun on our pod Thursday night, but you're right. Just not for the kind of season we're used to the last five or six years um, in large part. It, it felt very um, bland in a lot of ways, you know? I'm looking at our Redmount Vodka bracket Redmont. over here. Redmont. 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 What did I say? Redmount. Well, Redmont. Thank you. Big fan. And uh, <laughs> I'm drinking it. <laughs> I drank too much of it. Now I can't say anything right. It's another <laughs> Cardwell situation. Caldwell situation. Thanks for letting me know I was saying that wrong. <laughs> it was all inside joke, I swear. <laughs> and uh the, it only goes to like a thousand and something on here so there's pr- there's people in there that were missing like now there's like half the people i'm i'm not even in the thing anymore i don't think i see your name in here either but there are other people in here they're doing well shout out to kyle stokes at a thousand and eighty three i think he goes to one thousand one hundred so as long as you're on the list that's pretty cool in my opinion now there you are matt you're actually doing pretty well 244 all right rocket 512 good job uh, Chelsea's still in it at 764. Eric's still in it at 974. Steven, Steven's in it, 1021. So we'll see who ends up winning right now. I think it looks like Matt's in the lead right now. So that's fun. Woo. Yeah. That's that's the red mount. I guess we'll check back in at the very end at this point. So yeah. Duh. We'll uh we'll plan to um you know, probably do a recap post NCAA tournament, I would guess. We haven't talked about this, but probably give it a couple weeks. Come back in. Maybe if we see some dust settle with some of our existing players. Um, if we had to guess. Uh, oh, well. Do we, should we do guesses? The, pe- the people that are doing good in this Redmont bracket have all have Alabama as their champion. And that makes sense. So our po- I don't think our podcast listeners are going to do very well. Because I, if they're like me. They had Alabama going out early. Even if they didn't believe it, they just couldn't bring themselves to put it very far like mine. That's going to hurt because the other number one seeds have gone down. So the point totals aren't going to be great. For but yeah, record, let's make some guesses. I'll make for, some quick guesses. For the record, I did not pick Alabama to win at all. Um, so I'll make some quick guesses. Uh, my my main guess or, I mean, assumption is that Alan Flanagan is going to be gone. Um and then I think there will be one or two others on the lower end of this roster that will not be back. But I don't really know who. I just think there is yeah. going to be more turnover this year. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's going to be – I think there's going to – not a coming to Jesus, but a – I know it's tough because it just depends on who you can get, you know, and it, it's – it's. I don't know how you do it in this age of basketball anymore, but I think we, we toss the dice on the idea of keeping around a bunch of guys that were fine – that were average to good and saying, Hey, let's see if a vet team is better than trying to go out there and fill and like try to chase the dragon on some of these guys. Let's see if a Wendell green is better than trying to go get a Yuri Collins. Let's see if keeping Chris Moore and Flanagan is better than trying to get an Eric Stevenson. I mean, I'm not saying that we like passed on these guys to stick. We just like, I don't know. We, maybe we could have never got these guys to begin with. Uh, There was a guy from Detroit Mercer or something like that, that like, broke the record maybe this year and instantly scoring that we thought about looking at there's there's lots of players we thought about looking at we have no idea what happened on the inside if we you know half half put our effort in or didn't at all or how we did this kind of thing but 
I think there'll be a kind of opposite trend in this one. I think what you'll see us go a lot harder in the transfer portal and be like, screw people's feelings. We're going to see what happens. Well, yeah, we're going to have to revisit that. Um, You know, our main argument last year was, you know, you wanted Bruce to be more aggressive. And I think a lot of people feel that way. But I think my argument was, I I know Bruce, I don't think he's going to do it. And he didn't. Um, And this year, you know, you've got Aiden Holloway coming in for Zepp's spot, basically. And everything else is kind of fair game. Oh, and I also predict that Stretch will not. I think Senior Day made that clear, but Stretch's scholarship will be open. And we've, it, we've, we've also fulfilled our NCAA stupid obligation for lost scholarship for stuff that was <laughs> garbage. So that's over. So we do open up some room. So like you said, like I do think we can be pretty aggressive, especially if a couple of these guys are either encouraged to look elsewhere or they just choose to leave look elsewhere. I just I hate – of all the players – that like are probably going to leave that I don't want to leave. It's Alan Flanagan. I just feels like he could still take that next step, but his mentality is just, you hate that he ever got that hype in his second year, or he probably would have been this. Like I predicted his freshman year when we used to talk on the phone that he was going to be this great glue guy that has, you know, a great body for basketball. And he's just going to kind of be steady, a steady guy. And by his senior year, he's going to be the one of those guys you just look at, and he's scoring 15 points consistently, and maybe he's not the best NBA prospect, but he's a fan favorite, and he's a guy that just, you look up in the Elite Eight, and you're like, man, he stuck around, and he showed up, and that, like the kind of guy you need on one of these college, but it didn't work out like that. He he actually he was better than we thought he was going to be a sophomore year, and then he got hurt, and then it didn't come back from that, and then even this year, he showed glimpses, but you could just tell his mentality is just a little, he left it left somewhere you know like he he was a big reason though why we made this tournament i I think oh yeah yeah him coming on you know it's easy to forget how rough it was for him even earlier this year um and he He really picked it up you felt you felt it go into the next season that he he, his playing style his attitude the way he treated the game all felt like a guy that wants to make the nba or a guy that wants to play like an NBA player or look like an NBA player and not the kind of sc- scrappy college guy that I expected him to be after his freshman year. And I think that impacted his game some, and I think it impacted the team a little bit and the way we treat the other people treated him. They treat him as like a guy that could maybe try to figure something out the NBA and that's how he's going to play, you know, not necessarily a team guy in the huddle situation that's going to be the captain next year that everybody's excited to be the captain a humble guy kind of thing it kind of like he i don't know maybe i'm reading a lot into stuff but you're right i really do feel like he's going to leave and not because he should and not because he's ready but because you just people get something in their mind and they're not going to be told no and there's a chance he just goes and plays g league and then we see him in a couple years somewhere else well look he's played four years i mean i I think you know I, I don't necessarily – and I don't even know if it's the worst thing. He Has he played four years? Yeah. Freshman, sophomore. Yeah, yeah. He just so, doesn't get that extra year because of COVID. Slash I mean, he missed some time because he was hurt. Yeah, I'm just not going to like – and I don't honestly think it makes a – You can't blame anybody for leaving after graduating. But right. like it just – I, I just I, – you've heard me argue on this podcast many times. I don't think there's a better life out there than a college athlete getting their education paid for, living it up having crowds around going nuts. I think Bryce Brown would, would do anything possible to get another year back, to be another Auburn guy, to hit those shots, to play in front of people, you know, everything paid for in their lives pretty much, unless you have like a kid or something, you know, like, which I get those, but I don't know. I just think that a lot of these guys that leave early, Jared Harper, he's like, look back years later and they're like, man, if I could get one more year. Yeah, it's, it's true. I, Here's something for you, and we we could probably wrap this up whenever. But uh, if you were ranking, uh, I was just thinking about this in my head. Most likely to come back on this out of the non-Zep players, I have a guy potentially in second place that I think would shock you. Most likely to come back? Yes. That's a little easier, I guess. No, I don't think it is. I'm going to say... There's one that I that I'm almost a hundred percent sure on, and it's really the only one I feel a hundred percent sure about. Most likely to come back. I'm gonna say Dylan Cardwell is most likely to come back. He's sure. nowhere. 
I'm not sure because I think Janai Broom. He thinks he can step it up somewhere I else. I think Janai Broom is coming back, and he's. No, been I definitely playing. think. I think I think we build around Jonai next year, but I don't think that means Dylan Cardwell is going anywhere. So Cardwell's going year three of uh, of backup duty. Yeah, I mean, I know we, game. I know we, I know we talked to him on the podcast, and he's like still aiming at the NBA, but I just think he's the big man on campus. And how are you gonna how are you gonna pass that up? You know, I mean, I did he do? I just don't. I guess maybe they have different ideas in their head where they're at and what they can do and what they've done in practice or whatever. But we definitely didn't see anything this year that made me feel like this guy's ready for this big step up in playing time. Well, he might have to go to a lower level or something. But I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, he's still playing. He's still playing a good bit, and I, I still think you would argue. I guess you're right. Maybe you're he's right. Maybe playing Leor minutes. He's maybe that's not Leor. the most likely. You're right. Maybe it's not the most likely. He could leave for to play more somewhere if he wanted to. The, and this is what's going to be fascinating. Like if you just go down, like Katie Johnson, who the heck knows after this? Oh year, yeah, I had no idea. Year. I don't even know if, if they're going to want him back. I don't, that, that he could be one of those guys where they, especially with the kind of weird stuff that happened in the middle of the year, where they're just like, hey, man, KD, we're going to be real with you. It was a great run, and you can come back and compete for your spot if you want to, but we are going to be out there recruiting, and we just wanted to let you know that. Then again, at that point, oh, man. So the way I he mean, played this year, I can't, the way his attitude is too, like he's electric. He really is. But if you think you want to move on from him, you almost need to like be like you need to go because if you do stick around, we we're not catering to anything, and you might not be great in the locker room. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and I look, I know you, people may think this is crazy. The Wendell Green thing, I I think he's back, but I don't know. Would it shock you? I think he would want to be back. I but I like you know I was a Yuri Collins guy last year, and I'm still a Yuri Collins guy now. I know we got Aiden Holloway coming back and you know, didn't make Trey the and all that. Jackson, you, uh, Collins. Yeah, we we, um, we should have been talking to him. Maybe we did two weeks ago. Then, <laughs> um, then again, I, we're gonna find we're gonna finally. I'm gonna be the dog that finally catches the car, and we're gonna get Yuri Collins, and he's gonna be fine. And it's gonna be an Alan Flanagan situation where I like absolutely lose a Jalen Williams from this year for you situation. I'm just going to absolutely lose my mind that he's not an all American first team, 30 points a game guy. My number two, most likely to come back. I, I, I think it's Trey Donaldson. He's really figured something out. He he's carved out a role. He, I'm so impressed with his intangibles on the bench. I think he gets it. I think he's a, Bruce Pearl type guard. He's tough. He can clearly shoot. He can be streaky and, and shoot well. He's a great. Um, I just think he plays really well. So it's kind of ironic. I think he's number two. Uh, we getting breaking news here as we talk about Wendell Green, uh, who has been just sent me <laughs> that icy win had some peace signs here. Took Auburn out of his bio. And says, and then posted the LeBron tweet that's maybe it's me. Mm. What does that mean? Ooh, here we go. Here we go, guys. This is what people <laughs> turn into the podcast for. They want to hear us figure out what teenagers do cryptically on social media. Hey, at least it's not a recruit this time. It's not recruit. It's not a Jalen Green live live Instagram. It's a uh, Wendell Green. Doesn't look good though. So, you know, like I was it could saying. be emotional. It could be emotional. It could be him saying peace to the season and that he failed and he's upset and he doesn't know if people want him back or something. He wants people to who knows subconsciously share the love to say, please come back, Wendell. We need you back. Or it could be him saying, like, this was a disappointing season and I need to be on a team that Kate did, like has better pieces around it or something. I don't know. I don't know. We will find out. What a great teaser for uh, for our next episode. What will happen the next few weeks? My boy Jalen, uh, shout out Lyndon Palmer, one of my former uh, students who went to the game first round, got a selfie with Jalen. Uh, Jalen, I hope comes back. I I would love another to- weird one when you when you've been around for that long, you just don't know what the mentality of these guys are. They have like timelines in their head that seem ridiculous to me. I was dying to stay another semester or two in college when I was leaving. Maybe I'm immature, or whatever. But like, I enjoyed myself in college, and I didn't even get to dunk on anybody. <laughs> I didn't get to go to March Madnesses. Then again, I guess I didn't sweat at sweat it out in the gym at seven a.m. or have my entire schedule mm-hmm. around basketball for that long. Yeah, I'm not pretty to sure. Mention- we- 
Not I to mention we... Johan and Chance. Like, what's going to happen with them? Like, such a weird uh, Johan. Johan had a quote out to the other day. He played in the first game, surprisingly enough. And that's why we won. And he didn't play this game. And that's why we lost. Uh, and everybody uh, knows it. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, he, uh, they said he was happy to play and was glad he was ready to get out there. And he's just been waiting for his time and all the typical quotes. And they asked if he was coming back. He said, I'm just concentrating on the game. And maybe I'll be back next year. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's not the exact quote, but it, it wasn't a, yeah, I'll be back next year because we've seen that a million times. Yes, I'll be back. And then, oh, I need to talk to my family and all that stuff. And then they're gone. It's, you know, it's easy. It's easy to say, yes, I'll be back. And some people do it. And the fact that he didn't just say, yes, I'll be back or I'm locked in with this team makes me think he's definitely going to think about it. He's definitely going to be looking around and wondering what he's going to do. Somebody needs to bring him a plan. I don't know. He might could. He honestly could probably really use a step down. He could pre- like the way they're letting people transfer these days. And it like, it, it sucks to ever make, like, I know personally in my own life, it, it hurts. And I, I'm almost impossible for me to plan more than one year in advance of my life without freaking out of existential crisis or whatever. But like a kid like that trying to figure out his career, maybe you do take a step down to Kent state or something. I hope not. I figure I, it out. Know. And then you can transfer right back up. You know, like that's like back in the day, if you made that transfer, that was a permanent move. And you well, were going to figure in, but now these days you could transfer down, transfer over, transfer right and left. I'm just thinking about, you know, for our purposes, I think, you know, we, if, especially if we have, you know, significant turnover on this roster, I, we're, I would rather take the chance that both Chance and Johan can be, you know, I, I don't think they can't be rotation guys for us. I think they can play. Um, I think yep. I think we've seen like you need some of these surprise guys and Johan and Chance sticking around could like I say we don't build anything around them and if they turn out that's great you know it's like a fantastic for us kind of situation but like I you never I just don't know how you build a team like that anymore but like you said you, just, you kind of, I think we talked about sometime during the season you just need guys like Leo are they like wow well you plugged a, a gap there we didn't even know we needed you know we didn't have to take much of a chance for you you know like you just need weird little guys these days and those are like the best like I, i'll i definitely would i would not try to run johan off or chance off because they have potential mm-hmm. but yet they've had such a bad freshman year that hopefully they're not upset if we recruit other players around those positions and they just take their chance and then hey if it goes well it goes well and hopefully yeah. we don't play a game where we're like oh we're locking in johan and back up in the four or something when it's not it maybe doesn't work out you know yeah well, and that's where bruce playing 10 guys so consistently is really helpful um, because there is a lot of room to play, you know, um, you know, so anyway, that's kind of a preview uh, here, here. Here's a, uh, uh, something everybody's been clambering about to hear about, uh, a Justin Powell update, everybody. He's in his third season. He was at Auburn his freshman year. Then Tennessee is sophomore year. And then Washington state his final year. It looks like they are in, they just lost in the NIT, uh, maybe even today. He averaged 10 points a game, and he shot 42% from three. We will see what team he will be on next year, his fourth team in four years. Thank you for that important update. I have a more important update. Um, Jabari Smith, game-winning shot last night. Uh, Walker Kessler, game-winning shot this evening. Walker Kessler, really? Apparently. Or maybe he got a block. Hang on. I just love, I'm glad we have these NBA guys. I saw some people on Reddit being, seeing like other, all people on Reddit threads and being like, this is, this is fun. <laughs> this is nice. We have this. And we, we've done in other sports and had like extra games to think about. I'm hoping Jabari and Walker guys that stick around for a long time. And we have like extra sports, the kind of stuff that you're sitting around at Thanksgiving or Christmas, probably more like Christmas with the NBA, like just casually watching a player you care about in a game that you wouldn't have cared about otherwise. Yeah. Here, here you go. Here's where we should qu- close the episode. You know, frustrating year. Jackson said it all year, folks. You've been listening. Frustrating is the word. Auburn Bruce, Auburn coach Bruce Pearl on the season. I'm proud of our guys, but I have a high standard. I'm proud of this team. But if you know me, I'm on to the next play and I'm going to be recruiting tonight. Oh, thank God. I love it. He's he's on top of things, man. You got to give it to him. Like this year didn't quite work out. And I get the instinct they went with that. Let's bring the vets back. I mean, they went and got people. They got Joe Broom. 
that was huge. They were placed there. I mean, that was easy. We knew we needed somebody there. Some of these other ones were tougher in the guard positions and it, it bit us. And I, I, you know, I, I'm cool with them rolling that dice. I was going to, I was arguing for the other way, but I think we'll see it this year that they turn, they, they kind of, they live and they learn. And that's something you can really respect about Pearl and his staff is that they do adapt and they've adapted in this wild, absolutely wild college basketball world. Every single time they have adapted a lot of times, even ahead of other teams. And now the NIL and, and transfer has been tough, but we've done well with it for the most part. I think we've, we've, we've done what we can for Auburn. So. I think we've been really good in the portal and I think there's going to be a, depending on what happens, either a good opportunity or a really large opportunity in the portal this year for us. So um, really. We'll, we'll try to, we'll try to keep up on, we'll try to keep up on socials. Uh, seeing that those have grown some, you know, we'll try to do some pods throughout the year. We'll do one more final season pod and we'll talk more about our plan for the off season. I don't think people are going to be clambering for off season content quite like they did before, but we'll be keeping up with recruiting for sure. Uh, another big thing that everybody keeps clambering for, everybody's been asking, what is going on with Devin Cambridge? They ended their season a game or two, I guess, in the first round of the, the tournament. I think they beat Mississippi State or somebody in the first, in the, like the four that gets in. Uh, he ended the season averaging 9.8 points per game. Good for him. Uh, moved his three-point shooting up to 33%. Good for him again. Uh, I think there was a time during the season I updated people a couple times on him and Twitter People were like, wow, he's really figured something out. That's good for him. He went out there and figured. I think, uh, I think uh, he did about what we expected out there. Honestly, I think he got a little more playing time and played with his brother. And I think that's about what we expected from Devin Cambridge. So I don't think we like lost anybody in the transfer portal the other way that killed us. Even though we lost our minds when Justin Powell left, it didn't. You know, that was a weird story. But yeah. Well, we'll see. Thank. I just want to kind of wrap up. Just thanking everybody for listening. I know this year. Hasn't been quite as fun, but, you know, again, five out of six NCAA tournaments. We got to hope that maybe this is like, my hope is that this kind of year, could it be the floor? Now, Kentucky's had worse years than this, and, you know, it's possible for us to have worse year. We had one a few years ago with some stuff that went wrong with the NCAA and stuff. But is this the floor? Like, is this what Auburn can reasonably expect in basketball now with this program fully built? And if it is, then that's a good place to be. And we're going to have rivals that are going to be pushing us, you know, every step of the way to try to continue to get better. But um, I think the thing that Jackson's been most concerned about, and a lot of people, is you just don't want to necessarily repeat this same iteration of the core. And I I don't believe that's going to happen. Um, I, my, I think my, my big thing, and I'm worried, I think it's already locked in, sadly. And it's what I'm worried about is that we will not have high-end talent next year. And it's not necessarily the guards are like switching out Wendell Green or switching out KD or getting some transfer portal guards. The issue is there's just not going to be guys like what we needed. We needed a five-star go-to guy. You mean like from the five-star that will be on next year's team? Like well, guy? I just don't feel like Aiden Holloway's – maybe he will be. Maybe he proves me wrong. I just don't feel like he's one of those guys that's like can't miss guys. And there, there's only a couple of them. So, like, you you know, it, it is what it is. I just think the recipe for a great team, you're seeing it from some of these other teams. And sadly, you're seeing it with Alabama. You got to get one of those go-to guys. You got like Houston, you saw, you got to get one of those sassers. And then, you, sure, you can fill in with transfer portal guys. You can fill in with your guy, your vets that contribute well. But you got to have one of those guys. And I think we can get, you know, three of the four ingredients or whatever. But we already missed out, I believe, on that, like, go-to athlete that is going to be the guy that if he's got the ball in his hands, you feel good about it. We Hopefully we can go get an interesting, hopefully we can go get like a Samir, a Samir Dowdy type or somebody and, and that can be a big deal. Well, yeah. I mean, I, honestly on this team, I, I think, I think we can do a lot of work in the transfer portal. I think we're going to have, if we have as much turnover as I think we might, um, we'll have playing time to offer and we'll have a pretty proven system and, at this point, we're transfer. We're doing the portal. I think almost as well as anybody um, in our league, at least. So I, I think we're going to be able to. Maybe, maybe you might be underestimating the value of the portal here compared to yeah. the traditional I just, I, high school. I just think it's best for like filling in good, solid college guys. They can but, hit a but, shot. They can do a thing. They just uh, it doesn't fill in well. Like 
if the, one of those guys does, they just they don't hit the portal. They go to the NBA if they have the potential. You well, know, so Walker did. Walker, yeah, yeah, well, you're right, you're right. We did luck out with Walker. He wasn't an uh, amazing scorer, so we'll see about that. But you know, you're right. Walker's it was a freak for what he was, a, a five star that it kind of fell into our lap because UNC treated him badly. It felt no, no, like no, it didn't no, work no. out. You know? That's I, I don't like that. I don't like that we got lucky because no, you're right, you're right. We didn't get we, lucky because we, we were finished on him. second for yeah. him, and we, we and we got so and we got boomed. We didn't believe we were going to lose him. We thought we had him. So you're right. We did a lot of great work in high school recruiting for him, and then stuck. Right. And, and good for them leaving that in a positive note. And when it came back around, it came to us. So. I think you could argue that we're actually kind of leaning more now to what you wanted us to do, which is, you know, we're just going to sign what we think are top high school players and we're going to figure out the rest later. Yeah, and no, that's what I want. I want like, if you now, if you get like a top 30 guy, you get a top 30 guy at a high school. And other than that, you go transfer portal, you know, no more guys that develop over a couple of years. You tell them go to Kent state or go to Vandy or one of the old, the Mississippi schools or something. We'll see you back around, you know? So you should be happy. Yeah. A uh, big thing uh, here. I looked at our reviews. I, we don't really care about the reviews or the view, whatever. We're just having a good time. Who really cares, but go in there and do me a favor. If you're still listening to this, if you listen to 34 games with us, <laughs> go into the Apple app. I, we just haven't had a review in forever. Go into the Apple app, leave us a five-star review and some comments. Tell us you enjoyed the show. It's been a frustrating long year. I hope we kind of got to all bond together, everyone that listened. And, uh, you know, leave us it in there so we feel good that you're listening. And it's easy. You don't have to sign into anything or you just open your phone right now. Go down there and say, hey, guys, thanks for making the pod. or And we thank you for listening. So, yeah. And how about this? Reach out to us on the socials. If uh, if you have any former players or ideas of people you might, I mean, we we just shoot our shot on a lot of these interviews and, and do our best. We feel like we've gotten a lot of pretty interesting stuff. Um, so if you have any ideas for, you know, interesting offseason content um, regarding Auburn basketball in and around it, let us know. We, we see what we can do. And uh, shout out to Ben. I was about to yeah. say that this has been a long year. It's kind of been tougher than last year to do the pod every single time. And thank God Ben came in for stuff. Ryan too came in at times and Ben has brought a ton of energy with all the social media stuff. If you see something on social media, there's like a 80% chance it's him. I get on there and try to say goofy stuff. Everyone saw so anything real, anything that looks good or professional or it's anything like that. It's Ben and uh, Ben's brought some energy to this that we needed for sure. So hopefully in the off season, it'll be a similar thing. Cause I think, at least for me, I know I got a lot of stuff going on at work. I know Matt's got things going on. I think Ben will be another help in the offseason to bring some energy and get us podcasting, get us talking. And and listen, I'm glad you mentioned it. I agree with everything you said. And he was he was pretty close to being right on his trade Donaldson Wendell Green thing, like closer than we thought. So shout out to him. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's it for us for the season, I guess. Like I said, we'll do a, a big post-mortem once all the NCAA stuff is done. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We enjoyed making it, you know, like I said, we don't really care. Like we, we love for you guys to listen, but we also just me and Matt enjoy talking college basketball and Auburn basketball. And we do this on the phone. We do this recording. We're just glad anybody wants to listen to us and anybody wants or allow us to interview them or anything like that. Yep. Tough year, frustrating year. Hopefully we're going to get back towards building, you know, to a little more success like we want, but. Another year in the tournament, Jackson. Let's try to make it again next year and see what happens. That's what it's all about. Yeah. War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody.